Hey everybody, I'm Matt Hardman and welcome to the Race Nerd Podcast right here on your plethora of programming CKTC Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Having my first uh, iced coffee of the day. Got a little Dunkin' uh, Thin Mint Iced Coffee, you know. Support Duncan, support the Girl Scouts, drink that shit. Be all happy. Alright, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> now that I got a cheap plug out of the way, it's not as good as uh, Eric and his monster over on the nerd table, but hey, it works. Uh, we got a, we got we got some stuff to talk about this week. We got Atlanta, uh, the first race on the repave as I light my Winston light. Yeah. Hey, gotta, gotta support uh, companies that support motorsports even though they don't, but whatever. Uh, need my cigarette to go with my coffee pretty much. Uh, need all that while I'm on the road and look for an upcoming on the road with the Race Nerd Pod uh, episode coming soon. But anyway... I digress. I'm like wandering way off the reservation on the topic. Um, got a lot to talk about. Got um, Atlanta, the first race on the reconfiguration. I'll give you my thoughts on that. Uh, got uh, thoughts on what could be the final uh, Texas IndyCar race. Um, got uh, the fallout, and this is actually why I'm re-recording this show, because I'd actually recorded this show Monday, uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely Monday, um, because I actually just had surgery on Tuesday, um, but it was just, so I knew, I knew it was very early in the week, but, um, Tuesday, it was kind of still a little groggy, couldn't drive, so, I, uh, I had recorded this, and I was set to send it to Chris O'Mealy over at, uh, CKCC Radio for him to post, but, um, you know, as I was going through this, um, there had been talk, and I had been following this story for a little bit, uh, about Brad Keselowski and the penalty issued to them. Uh, and I'll get in on that. Um, then, you know, we got some other news. Um, but first we got a pop quiz notes. And this pop quiz notes came from something on the Dale Jr. download. Um, those of you who listen to that, it's, it's a fantastic show. There's, there's certain motorsports podcasts that I do listen to. Um, in, um, the Dirty Mo Media, um, podcast do put out some really great content, whether it's the Dale Jr. Download, uh, Rick Houston Show, which I forget the full title of it, the, the spun out, God feared, flipped over, upside down, topsy-turvy, tiny whiny uh, uh, stories, I honestly forget what it is, no offense to Rick Houston, who is a great person, um, I've had some interactions with him on, um, on Facebook, really great guy, um, 
and a great motorsports journalist and probably wrote one of my favorite racing books called Second to None about the history of what is now the Xfinity series. Um, along with many other shows on the, um, the Dale Jr. download. But I digress. Talking about the Dale Jr. download, they recently had Austin Sindrick on it. Um, I know of his father's lineage being Tim Sindrick, the general manager of racing at... Um, Penske, uh, Team Penske. Um, he's pretty much the, the race day guy for Roger Penske's IndyCar teams. Now, we all know that. But what claim to fame does his maternal grandfather have um, in open wheel in IndyCar specifically? Um, his maternal grandfather. Uh, answer at the end of the show. His biggest claim to fame. It, 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 this, this, is a, this is a good one. This is something I didn't know about. It never clicked with me. That light never went off. Uh, never went on, I should say. But um, I digress. Um, let, let's talk about some IndyCar. Let's transition into that first. Um, as we got... Um, what possibly could be it's the last race on the current contract with um, Texas Motor Speedway and IndyCar um, a, a staple on uh, the IndyCar circuit going back to the IRL days um, Rootin Smith and Eddie Gossage wanted to, wanted to really get IndyCar there um, and this is what may be the final race there Unless they can come to an agreement um, on a contract for many, many more seasons. Um, a race that saw Joseph Newgard picked up Team Penske. We were just talking about him with, with uh, Austin Sidrick and the Pop Quiznos. Uh, pick up Team Penske's 600th win in motorsports. That goes from SCCA, IMSA, uh, obviously um, IndyCar, CART before that, USAC, um, NASCAR, and the V8 Supercars. Um, Joseph would actually pass his teammate, Scott McLaughlin, uh, one of those standouts from the, uh, the Penske uh, in Australia, in the V8 Supercars, multi-time Supercar champion, uh, he would uh, pass him after McLaughlin would dominate uh, the entire race in a daring last lap pass uh, for the win, picking up uh, the captain's 600th win, and that 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 alone is astounding. Uh, but this is Roger Penske. Um, guy has luck. I mean. Before he bought um, the assets of IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, he, he figuratively owned the track with 18, 18, I think, Indy 500 wins. I mean, the numbers are mind-boggling. Uh, so, um, just, I, I was I was happy for that. Happy, happy for the captain. I mean... 
product of the Northeast. Um, yeah, probably one of the most respected people ever in motorsports. Um, so I was very happy for that. And, you know, I was happy for New Garden. Um, so I was really, really excited for that. Um, another thing to be excited about, Jimmy Johnson making his first start uh, in IndyCar on an oval track. Did not disappoint. Uh, failed to see the victory lane that is named after him, Jimmy Johnson victory lane there in Texas. Uh, but Jimmy uh, did record his first career top 10. Just missed his first career top five um, late in the race. Uh, but uh, his, his best ever run in IndyCar. Uh, and it's kind of really up the hopes for him when we get to May and the Indianapolis 500. Can Jimmy be a factor in that? Can Jimmy Mania sweep IndyCar? Uh, who knows? Um, and uh, it, it doesn't come as a surprise that he did well on, a, on an oval track. Um, unfortunately, you know, all we saw for him in IndyCar last year was kind of like a mid-pack backpack driver. Are for Chip Ganassi, which we all know that Chip Ganassi's teams are very, very good. You know, uh, Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson, Chip, um, I can't remember the third guy that they had last year uh, as a teammate to, um, to all of them and Johnson. Uh, but, I mean, they were they were on fire. Jimmy just, I, I, it took him a little while, and I knew this would take a while for him to adjust to IndyCar. Um, and, uh, let's not forget that 82 of his 83, um, NASCAR wins all came on oval. So, to say that he, he, he's a better oval driver than a street road course driver is very true. Um, so, we have all that, um, there were so many great stories with that, um, IndyCar and... Uh, Texas Motor Speedway, as I said, they were they're in the last year of their contract uh, working together. They are currently, uh, as of right now, working on a new contract. Um, and both hope that it will be successful. Um, because if not, it's only going to leave two oval races on the IndyCar schedule. Uh, Wide World Technology Speedway. Um, out in uh, Missouri, the old, uh, what used to be known as Gateway uh, Motorsports Complex, uh, and obviously Indianapolis. Now, I, I do, I, I don't mind some road courses and some street courses, because I've always loved them. Um, I, I loved, um, I still love to this day, the, um, the Long Beach, the Long Beach Grand Prix, uh, a, a staple of, um, the IndyCar schedule, uh, and probably one of their most known uh, road courses. I do love places like Road America and Mid-Ohio, uh, and um, when they used to run at, you know, to, you know, Belle Isle in Detroit, and the old Lake Elkhart, which was um, the Cleveland, uh, the Burke Airport. Lake Elkhart, Lake Elkhart's Road America. Uh, the 
Burke Airport in Cleveland. I thought that was a fun one. But, I mean, they've gotten away from road courses, uh, more, not road courses, uh, ovals uh, throughout the years, uh, even though the series, uh, when the IRL split from CART, they were more focused on the ovals than the road courses. Now it's kind of, you know, the road courses, the road courses have dominated the schedule for at least the last 10, 15 years. So I really hope that they are able to get that, and possibly able to get some more um, ovals on the schedule. You know, I'd love, I'd love to see Pocono come back to the schedule. Um, I definitely think that there's a strong fan base there, um, as Pocono used to be uh, in, in the uh, seven, in the 70s and 80s. Po Pocono was one of the uh, the crown jewels on the oval schedule, uh, made up like the Triple Crown that in Michigan and Indianapolis, of course, uh, but uh, after after the passing of Justin Wilson and later on, you know, the, the serious injuries of Robert Wickens, you know, they kind of, like, yeah, let's get away from Pocono. Um, even though those weren't really, you know, the fault of the track itself, um, but course any anything like that gives bad publicity to the track it really hurts it, so. um, but I am definitely up for more oval racing uh, in IndyCar so let's let's hope keep our fingers crossed that they can pull this off so moving on we're gonna go to another track owned by SMI the, um, the owners of Texas Motor Speedway to a reconfigured Atlanta Motor Speedway Atlanta, which is now in its third configuration uh, since opening in 1960, I believe, or 61. Uh, early in the 60s is the third reconfiguration of the track in Hampton, Georgia. Uh, and this sees a, basically turns the track into a mini Daytona. I mean, to the point where they put restrictor plates on these cars. Uh, you saw pack racing. You had three races there. <coughs> you had a truck race. Then you had a uh, an Xfinity race, and then the Cup race. Um, I'll be honest. Since recording on Monday and today, I honestly forgot who won the truck race. Uh, oh no, I don't. Corey Hein. And now I remember why I. Remember because there was such a controversy in this race. Um, Corey Heim beating out uh, teammate Chandler Smith uh, in a race that really had Smith fuming um, first uh, because early on in the stage, uh, Heim and Smith were trying to work together to draft through. Yes, the draft is at Atlanta. You can get a draft and run in packs like you can at the big super speedway races. Heim um, would, would leave his teammate, leaving him to fall back. Smith would gather up uh, and eventually take the lead late in the race. Um, and poor John Hunter Nemechek, who is already two laps down at this point. And John Hunter, obviously, is a very talented driver. I believe he's won at Atlanta family-owned truck. Um, John Hunter would uh, be forced with the decision to help one teammate or the other. Uh, he ended up 
know, drafting with Haim to pass Chandler Smith. Uh, Smith was not too happy with um, Nemechek helping his teammate um, to pass another teammate. And, uh, you know, was very, was very, you know, very unhappy. I, I should say displeased, but unhappy with the fact that he helped Haim instead of Chandler Smith. Now, this is Haim's first rear truck win. Uh, we all know Chandler won earlier in the season. Uh, so, it, it, it is, you know, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for poor, um, poor uh, John Hunter. Uh, but it's good to see Haim pick up his first win. Uh, and I, I really do expect big things out of those those three drivers at Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, so this probably wouldn't be, you know, Heim's only shot at the win. I know uh, John Hunter is still winless early on in this season, but the season is still young. Uh, there's still ways to go. And um, John Hunter, I think, is, you know, almost guaranteed to get at least one or two wins this season. Um, based off how he went last year. Alright, so we move on to Saturday, which would see another young lion take the win in that. And this one is a little less controversial than his first win of the season, as we see... Excuse me there. Another coffee. <laughs> another swig of my Duncan. Um, this one would see Ty Gibbs pick up his second win of the season. Certainly, leaving leaving off, uh, picking up where he left off last year um, in the 54 car, uh, and he's kind of he's starting to put the Xfinity Series on notice that he is the man to beat. Now, remember, he won Rookie of the Year and had four wins in a partial season for uh, his grandfather's race team. So this is not surprising at all. But this is uh, a, a really good uh, start to 2021, uh, 2022, excuse me, uh, for young time Gibbs. And this is just proof that this kid will be a, a cup superstar uh, within the next two to three years. I mean, he's just on it, you know. All, all personality aside with him, he is on so, um, moving on, we go to Sunday's Cup race, which saw an astounding 42 lead changes, I believe it was, among 20 drivers. Now, think about it this way, the, the Cup field for that race, I believe, was 37 cars. So, more than half the field led at least one lap during the 500-mile race at That's mind-boggling. That, those are some Daytona numbers right there. You know, that's the, the thing of super speedway racing. Really good race. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best one of the season, um, as I really do believe that Fontana was the best race so far this year. Um, one problem with the new car, I noticed uh, a lot of Chevrolet teams were having problems in spinning out. Uh, this is due to a camber issue. Um, and uh, 
that they were doing uh, set up. But um, a lot of cautions during this. Uh, you know, obviously, we had a couple of big ones in there. Uh, but at the end of the day, William Byron, an elite race pass on Bubba Wallace, picks up his third career win, his first of the season, becomes the third of the four Hendrick drivers to punch their way into the playoffs. Um, and it really was really good. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for Byron, uh, Slocks, him, along with Alex Bowman, who won at Las Vegas, and Kyle Larson, who won at California. All three of them locked into uh, the playoffs uh, later on in the season. Uh, the only one that hasn't been locked in is Chase Elliott, but we're coming up to the circuit of the Americas, and Chase is really strong on road courses, so I wouldn't count him out of making it a Hendrick sweep. Uh, but with that said, you know, there were a lot of strong runs in this race. Uh, Corey LaJoy picks up his first career top five finish. Um, the best finish for Spire Motorsports since Justin Haley um, picked up that range-shortened win uh, a few years back uh, at Daytona in the summer race. Uh, other, other strong runs, Josh Balicki, who was running in the top for most of the race um, after granted I mean this was after many of the uh, the drivers fell out Balicki who was running a team car to to uh, LaJoy picks up you know what is one of his best finishes in Cup. And, and I do have to give a attaboy a good try a really good try to, to Cody Ware now I know Rick Ware Racing has been the butt of many jokes throughout um, throughout their career, uh, especially in the Cup Series. But Cody, Rick's son, um, had a, a really good top 15 run going. Um, Cody, who actually ran well at the Coliseum, along with uh, his teammate for that race, Ryan Reese, both of them ran really well. And... Um, Cody seemed to be on his way to a top 15, top 20 finish, but was involved in um, in a spin involving another driver, took a hard hit to the wall. Obviously, was very, very disappointed after that because he was having the run of his career. Uh, so, but we move on to Circuit of the Americas this coming week where a lot of drivers will be double and sometimes triple dipping. Uh, among those, uh, Alex Bowman and I believe will be running the truck race um, in, for Spire Motorsports uh, in their seven trucks sponsored by HendrickCars.com. Uh, uh, Ross Chastain will be running the Xfinity race. Bubba Wallace will be in the Joe Gibbs um, number 18. Dr. Pepper Toyota in the Xfinity race. So probably going down the road, try to get some um, some more track time and compete for a win on the Saturday race. 
this is among others. Uh, I know Cole Custer will be back in the SS Greenlight uh, 07 car where he won earlier in the season with that team. So we're going to, it's going to be really, it's going to be a star-packed weekend at Circuit of the Americas. And the best part is there is no rain in the forecast as of right now for, um, for the race in Austin. Uh, other things, other things. Let's get to them all because there's a lot to get to. Um, Marcus Smith, while um, talking to reporters at, at Atlanta, Oh wow, and there is a Pine State beer truck that still has Brad Keselowski's uh, 2012 NASCAR championship on the side. I'd get a picture for you guys, but I'm actually in the mobile studio heading to a meeting, so. Uh, anyway, um, Marcus Smith. Now Marcus, uh, his father is the, the founder, president, uh, the founder of SMI, which owns Atlanta. Texas and many other tracks like Las Vegas, New Hampshire, and all. They also own uh, North Wilkesboro. Now, work has been done at North Wilkesboro. Uh, obviously, I've been keeping you updated on this story. Uh, work is finally being done there. They are renovating North Wilkesboro uh, with the goal of bringing racing back to the track in Wilkes County. Uh, now, we all know North Wilkesboro not only is one of NASCAR's um, earliest tracks, but also a, a fan favorite. Fan including myself. I, I love North Wilkesboro. Uh, but uh, when talking about it, you know, obviously the work is being done. There was a question asked if we were go ever going to see the cup race back at North Wilkesboro. Uh, Marcus is very honest. Uh, he doesn't see a cup race coming back to North Wilkesboro. And the reason for that isn't that they don't. Um, right now, it doesn't quite fit into the mold of what NASCAR is looking for. I mean, NASCAR um, in the late 90s and early 2000s was spreading out to other markets instead of just the Southeast. They were moving to, to California and Las Vegas and uh, the aforementioned Texas and this and that. That they were going to these larger metropolitan areas. Sometimes it worked like um, Las Vegas and all, and sometimes it didn't, i.e. Chicagoland and Kentucky, another SMI track. Um, but uh, they um, they don't fully see it in the cards. I mean, but then again, you know, maybe NASCAR will, you know, Jim France and, you know, the brain trusts down there in Daytona Beach will actually, you know, take a look at this, you know, see the groundswell. Um, for people who have been clamoring for North Wilkesboro to come back. Um, he did say, Marcus did go on to say, it, 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 once it's done, it, it'll end up being one of the premier short tracks in America. Um, and I can definitely see that, you know, uh, you know home for late models, home for all sorts of different types of racing. But um, as of right now, there there's nothing on the for uh, this, but um, they, there is, you know, he's 
you'd be hopeful and really excited if they get something like the truck series now. Remember the truck series about eight, nine years ago. Well, about ten years ago now, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, returned to Rockingham, another track NASCAR left dormant in their expansion in the larger markets. Uh, Rockingham went dormant. They uh, did some improvements there, trying to bring it back. Uh, they brought it back for like two or three truck, uh, two or three truck races um, before it went dormant again. Uh, I was actually at the return of Rockingham for that first truck race back on the schedule. Um, the fan turnout was pretty good for that first one. Kind of lingered off on the second. Now, places like Rockingham and North Wilkesboro, their issue is they're not near any major areas. Rockingham really wasn't that far from the Charlotte area. I mean, it's like maybe an hour or so drive. Um, so you get that kind of faithful, but I mean, it's not like smack dab right in the middle of a big area. And it was all on small roads and all that. And I'm assuming that's what Marcus was kind of talking about when referring to um, So we have that. Um, we have um, the next bit of news that I saw um, before we get to the, the big news of the week is the fact that um, the, uh, the SRX series, uh, which, which is known to bring in local ringers um, for a car, each week on their schedule, they have a car that, you know, usually they'll get a local ringer in. Um, and they were asking fans, um, they had a list of six drivers uh, for the ringer car for um, Nashville, uh, Nashville Fairground Speedway. Among the list, and this is, this is what got me, among the list has two really big names. Out of the six, there's Brittany Zamora, who um, currently races late models and does some ARCA racing. Um, and she is the first female to win a feature at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, there is Bubba Pollard and Stephen, Na uh, Stephen Nassie. Um, those two names, if you, if you follow late model racing, those two names are always at the top of the conversation for being uh, the best late model racers in the U.S. Bubba Pollard, who has won everything that you can think of, whether it be the Snowball Derby, uh, the Oxford 250, I believe he's won the Rattler, Outside of Pollard, not only the most recognizable name on the late, mo the late model um, circuit, but also uh, probably the best driver out there. Besides him. And I mean, he's got a quite a list of accolades. He's also got a list of people who don't like him because of his of his uh, of his driving style. 
But those, but those two names right there. Last year we had um, Doug Colby won at Stafford, um, the very first race of the SRX series. Uh, Colby, who is a, um, a a modified driver, who is very, very at Stafford Motor Speedway, picked up that first win, and with either Pollard or Nassi, there is a strong possibility that um, not only can they win there, but they can make a name for themselves, kind of like Ernie Francis Jr. made a name for himself in the SRX series, how he became the eighth driver of that series. Um, granted, Tony Stewart was the inaugural champion, but... Uh, no driver has had a bigger impact on, on their career in the SRX series than Ernie Francis Jr. And I, I really do think that you get Bubba Pollard in, the, in these cars racing against drivers like Helio Castro Neves or, um, you know, Paul Tracy, uh, Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, Mike Waltrip. Drivers like that, drivers of that caliber, you know, NASCAR champions, Indy 500 winners, Daytona 500 winners, you get him, to, you get either of those two, or even Brittany, um, to, uh, to race against them, and they hold their own, and they will make a career. Um, I mean, we've seen it with Josh Berry. Josh Berry's come up through the late model ranks with a longtime late model driver for uh, Dale Jr., and last year, he finally got his big break racing in the, uh, the Xfinity Series. Won two races and parlayed it into a full-time effort with Junior Motorsports. Where he is a contender in the Xfinity Series week in, week out. So this really can be a huge, huge career move um, for either of those two drivers who get voted in. Um, and I'm really excited to see it. Moving on, um, we got uh, the big news, and this is actually why I'm re-recording this episode. Um, NASCAR handled, handed down some penalties after Atlanta. Um, they were announced uh, yesterday, yesterday being Thursday. Normally, NASCAR uh, will hand out on-track penalties on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Um, this one came out later in the week. Um, because this was not found at the racetrack. This was found at the teardown at NASCAR's uh, research and development facility. Now, um, NASCAR will take the top five cars after each race, along with two random cars, uh, to the research facility and tear them down, see uh, if everything all checks out. If it doesn't check out, well, the price to pay comes down on the head of the sixth team of Brad Keselowski and Roush Fenley Keselowski Racing. They were found to have modified a part from a, a uh, singular vendor. Um, it's going to cost them, the team, um, 100 owner points, cost Brad Keselowski 100 owner points. Crew Chief Matt McCall, four races in a $100,000 fine. Now, 
Some people are thinking this is a little excessive. Some people are thinking that this is just right because NASCAR said coming out of the box uh, with this new car and these parts for these singular vendors, they do not want any sort of shenanigans. And um, they threw down that penalty, uh, which drops Keselowski from 16th in points all the way back to 35th, um, making it so he would realistically need to win a race in, uh, for the playoffs to make the playoffs. While they, well, the fines and all, because I, I do believe that the team will get a fine as well. I did not catch that fact. Um, there is no word on an appeal uh, for McCall or the team or anything yet. But this this really sends a, um, a message to the garage that says, from NASCAR, we're not screwing around with these new cars. You, you fool with them. You tamper with them. You do anything. You are going to get a big penalty. We're not playing around. And, and I applaud this to NASCAR. And, and I know some people are like, well, that's, that's a little too excessive. And I, I've heard this. Um, one, I mean, NASCAR has been very forthright about this, saying that this is going to be a, um, very, a very strong penalty um, in terms of uh, everything. It also says that to NASCAR, you know, from NASCAR, that look, we are keeping an eye on you all. Now, mind you, the um, the fact that I think gets overlooked with some of these people saying about the penalties uh, being excessive. In the case of Brad Keselowski, I'm going to say this. Um, there was talk at Daytona when it came to, um, you know, the, the Penske and the, um, the Roush teams supposedly modifying their wheels. Um, we, were, we were talking about the loose wheels and all, and the lugs and making sure they stay secure. Now, the, uh, the whole thing with that is NASCAR looked into it, um, they did agree some things did need to change. Uh, they did not hand down a penalty to any of those teams there. Uh, they, they confiscated the wheels, they were looking at them, they took them uh, presumably to the R&D center. Um, they, they looked at them, there was nothing issued. Now, when we get to Atlanta and this happens, it's already like, I'm sure they, you know, that all the teams got them talking now, you know, they're like, look, we don't want you doing this. We don't want you modifying anything. We're going to let you off the hook because apparently there was an issue um, with this and you guys kind of took it on yourselves. It's a safety issue. We'd like you to be proactive. Um, but the heart of the rule is no modifications. We're going to let you off the hook. Now, this is presumably, but they kind of got away with that. Um, they got, that was their mulligan. And this, obviously, is like, okay, you know, we warned you. 
now we got penalty issue. So I think that's why, you know, they they gave such a harsh penalty. Now, had this been, you know, had this happened again, it would be, I believe, an L3 penalty. Or I forget whether it goes 1, 2, 3, or 3, 2, 1. Um, but there's a penalty which will automatically eliminate them from the playoffs. Now, I'm, I'm thinking the teams are going to be really on their toes about making sure that this is done. That, you know, all, all, everything is all done um, by the book. Um, no, no shenanigans, no tomfoolery. Um, because this is, this is pretty fucking serious. Uh, pardon the language. Um, but I think this is, this is what they did not want to see. So fact that NASCAR stepped up and uh, really told them, you know, and showed the example. I think this will send um, a massive thing throughout the garage to show that we are not messing around when it comes to modifying any kind of part, trying to cheat the system. Then I get asked, why was this not picked up at the track? I think for years we've had ways that teams have gotten around that, you know, whether it's the, uh, the laser scanners that check everything. We had teams painting their cars a certain way, their design on their paint schemes a certain way, so the lasers wouldn't pick it up, this and that. And, um, you know, there were there's always ways to cheat. I mean, there's been ways to cheat as long as NASCAR's been around. I mean, how many people have heard the stories of Smokey Eunuch um, and, and the gas tank. You know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. With Smokey Eunuch, I, I truly do believe it. Or, or, um, or the lead weight babies that used to be in um, that Errol Waltrip had once had at uh, Bristol for weight. You know, they lose weight in the car that uh, spilled all over the track. That, that, that's one of my favorite stories of where, you know, some, some are just blatant and stupid, like the, the jet fuel in the uh, uh, mixture in the fuel for Michael Waltrip racing. Um, but as I'm saying, there's always ways that people try to cheat the system. And with this new car, they don't want that cheat the system. NASCAR really has gone all in on this. Got everybody on board, and I'm sure they do too. Um, so they have to set an example for those that are all in and want to make a level playing field. And to be honest, this new car with this level playing field actually has made the racing better, in my opinion. Has made the field even um, because I can tell you right now, if you were to tell me two or three years ago that um, we would see drivers like. LaJoy and Cody Ware, you know, battling guys like Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, um, and so on and so on, that we would see them, you know, uh, in trackouts, oh my god, trackouts, uh, they would, they would not be in that top, you know, they would not be anywhere near where these major budget teams are, and Speaking of Trackhouse, I have to give a massive shout-out to Ross Chastain. Um, 
the moose man, as I call him, I know many people call him the melon man, you know, knowing his watermelon uh, growing uh, you know, connections with the watermelon industry. I just call him the moose man because of his sponsorship with the moose fraternity. Um, so, uh, with that said, um, Ross Chastain has recorded three top three positions in the last three races. Three consecutive races he has finished on the podium floor. And he's still knocking on the door for his first ever win. Um, so I, I truly believe that Trackhouse Racing really um, has turned the corner and that they, that they will be a threat, you know, uh, by, the, by the time summer rolls around and we get to the dog days of uh, the regular season. That just doesn't go for Ross. That goes for teammate Daniel Suarez, who has had some some strong runs, but hasn't been as strong as his teammates. Uh, so, shout out to both of them. Anyway, alright, we got a pop quiz nose to answer. And I asked at the beginning of the show, uh, this year's Daytona 500 winner, uh, rookie Austin Sindrick. We know his father. Uh, is the president of Penske Motorsports and pretty much on the racing side the right hand man to for Roger Penske um, but his family does have um, some lineage in IndyCar what is his maternal grandfather's claim to fame I did not know this until I watched uh, well until I watched a clip from the Dale Jr. Uh, download I I actually have not listened to the full episode itself, um, featuring Austin Sindrick, but Austin Sindrick's grandfather was Jim Truman. Uh, Jim Truman, who um, was a longtime IndyCar owner, uh, ran in IMSA and I believe the SCCDA as well, uh, was the owner for Bobby Ray Hall in his 1986 Indianapolis 500 win, Ray Hall's only win in um, the most prestigious race in um, open wheel history. Truman, uh, who, is, who is suffering from cancer at the time, would pass away just weeks after Ray Hall's uh, 500 championship. Uh, the team would go on to last for forget how many more years the true sport team uh, but he um, he would have that claim to fame Truman would also own multiple um, be involved with Red Roof Inns I believe he was on the board of Red Roof Inns or was a franchise owner or possibly both I, I truly forget which but uh, Truman also owned the Mid-Ohio Sports Complex at one point time. Uh, so there is all that. There obviously is that connection to him being from Ohio and obviously Bobby Rahal being Dublin, Ohio's you know uh, one of one of their most famous sons. I believe their other most famous sons I think Dave Thomas who started her recently. Uh, but I, I thought that I thought that was cool. I thought of you know you know, kind of, kind of, kind of made me pull a little bit for Austin Sindrick. Um, 
know, obviously he's got talent. And it just kind of begs the question, and I'm sure it was answered on the download and I missed it, but um, why why did Cindric turn to NASCAR when he's got sports car, um, sports car experience um, running, you know, like the FCCA and IMSA and whatnot, and um, why not open view where his family lineage on both sides uh, seems to lead towards, you know, what brought him into NASCAR. Uh, so I guess I'm going to have to listen to that full episode. I just thought that was a really cool fact that I did not know, and I thought that was a really cool pop quiz nose. So, anyway, I am Matt Hardman. I am the race nerd, and until next week, after everybody is done at Circuit of the Americas, I will see you at the track. All right.